everyone. I am joined with Pam Hoffey, who is president now of Avalon Waterways. We haven't had you on since you're president. Congratulations on that oh, title. Thank you very much. How it's does that how does that feel? April, I guess. <laughs> how does it feel? Oh, it feels it feels great. You know, my prior title was managing director of Avalon Waterways, and there had not been somebody with the title of president prior. And uh it really uh was a fantastic honor for the uh, the leadership, the CEO of the company to um, give me this title based on some of the things that I brought to the brand and uh, the way that I had embraced this role. So yeah, it's fabulous. It's been a, it's been a real honor. You are really a fantastic ambassador for Avalon. You are a great advocate for the company. And every time I talk to you, I feel so inspired by you. So they made a great decision, and I, I'm I'm glad that they saw what I see in you every time I talk to you as well. Well, I'm um, so happy to be here with you again. It's always yeah, fun. <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, first I want to talk about, we've, we, we know a lot about Avalon now we've had you on. So we, we know the overview, but you guys are just continuing to grow. And so first I want to talk about your destinations outside of Europe and, and more exotic destinations. You just got back from Egypt. Tell me a little bit about that experience. I did. You're right. Um, I was there just two weeks ago now. And, um, you know, I think what so many of the other people I was traveling with, so many of our guests were calling it was trip of a lifetime. And I think that's the easiest way to sum it up in one sentence. And it really was a fabulous trip. And, um, you know, it starts with where we stay. Um, when you get there, we stay at the Marriott Mina house, which is right in Giza, at the pyramids. And, you know, I think that's, there's a real advantage to that. And it's something unique that Avalon does. So you're outside of the city of Cairo. So less traffic, less noise, less pollution. And the view of the pyramids that you have during breakfast is just incredible. Um, you don't have to commute back and forth from Cairo to get to the pyramids in the Grand Egyptian Museum is apparently going to open this year. They've been saying that since 2020, so I'm a little hesitant to, to say that, but uh, apparently it's happening um, this year. So we went and saw it. It's an incredible building, incredible. So that'd be a reason to go back. I will yeah, go back. <laughs> for sure. Well, it's good enough reason of, of, as any, huh? Absolutely. So it's also out in Giza. So that, again, is another reason to stay out in that area and be by the pyramids. So, you know, that's an incredible start to the trip, um, which, you know, this really is a river cruise and land vacation combined into one. So people who are thinking about um, going to Egypt, that's one thing to think about is it really is kind of a mixture because in Cairo, of course, um, you're not on the ship yet. Um, you then fly to Luxor. Avalon, we don't actually have our own ship um, on the Nile um, yet, I should say, because I don't know, maybe someday we will. Yeah. Um, certainly, it's growing so much. We are doing a lot of volume um, to uh, to Egypt, which is one of the reasons that I went uh, to experience it again and um, to look at, look at ships, make sure that the ship that we're using is truly the best option. Um, and it is absolutely um, one of the nicest ships on the Nile, um, you know, of any of the ones that I saw. Um, so I feel very confident that we're using the best ship that we can without having an Avalon ship. It's very modern. The name of the ship is the Farah. Um, it's modern. It's a clean contemporary design that fits really well with the Avalon style. <clears throat> Incredibly friendly crew, um, great service, great food. It's a four night cruise, which I actually thought 
um, you know, if you look at all of the other river cruise lines that are based here in the US, everybody does a seven night cruise. So I think that's a really interesting difference also. Um, you know, I have done a lot of research on this and we do all the same things that everybody who does the seven night cruises do. So if somebody's, you know, looking to do Egypt, you know, have a look at the different itineraries, take a look at what everybody does. Now, is ours a little bit faster paced? Yes, because you are doing some of the sightseeing the days that you're flying. So for example, when we flew from Cairo to Luxor, that day we actually went to Karnak and went to the Luxor monuments when we arrived. Um, when the, the other cruise lines, you just travel that day. And then the next day you go to Luxor and Karnak because they're doing seven night cruise. So mm -hmm. for me, that was okay. And it allows, you know, the extra time to add. And so here's what I tell people is take that extra time and add Jordan at the end and that extra money, because obviously it's a lot less expensive to do the four nights instead of seven. So yeah. I see an advantage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also I think that, you know, you mentioned that you're doing the, the land package at the beginning of it. So when you're traveling, it's not like you're traveling, landing jet lag, doing that tour. You have that time to adjust in between before you're hopping onto a bus to go do whatever and see whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, even with the four night cruise, it's still a 10 day trip overall. So it's still, you know, a relatively good length trip. And then when you add the Jordan extension, it ends up being two weeks. So I think it's a great way to kind of see everything thing in that four night cruise and add more to it. Um, <laughs> so excuse me. I mean, it was the time on the Nile is really amazing seeing the Valley of the Queens and Kings, which I had never done that before. I'd, I'd been to Egypt, but I'd never done a Nile cruise. So it, have you done that before? I mean, it is. No, I have not. And such a highlight. Um, I've been, you know, when you get those Facebook quizzes of, I bet you've only been to 20 of these places and I do them and I've been to, you know, lots of those places <laughs> that are on those lists. Yeah. But Nefertari's tomb in the Valley of the Queens was one of the most incredible things I've seen in my life. It was really, uh, you know, stunning, the colors, um, there weren't hardly any people in it. It was just amazing. So it was absolutely a once in a lifetime visit for me. And um, I hope not once in a lifetime because I would love to go back. Um, you got to go to that museum maybe this year. No. At the end of the trip, you know, you go to the ancient quarry where the where the stones from the pyramids were harvested, which is in Aswan. And when you think, you know, that's a two hour flight to get back to Cairo. So how did these ancient people take those stones from there all the way up to Giza to build the pyramids? Yeah. You know, just the wonder of this ancient civilization and everything that they accomplished. And the other incredible thing that Avalon includes that, um, you know, really very few other companies include is the Museum of Ancient Civilization. And I don't know if you watched the, um, I think they called it the Pharaoh Golden Parade, um, where they moved all the mummies from one museum to this new museum. So that's yeah. the museum where the mummies are now. Okay. They have this incredible hall of mummies and um, you go through and it really shows kind of the chronological history of Egypt through the mummies. And that was a highlight to me. And it, you know, really brought together because as you're, as you're touring, you're hearing uh, this, you know, this was during this Pharaoh's reign and this one's, and, and you kind of get lost quite honestly, maybe that's just me. <laughs> I'll bring it together for me. Um, and so it's just an incredible experience. I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in um, 
you know, Egypt and the history and, and, you know, a local experience too. We, we went to the bazaar and you meet incredible people along the way. So it's fantastic. Well, you know, that's why I really wanted to hear about it because I haven't had the chance, like so many other people, that wasn't a destination that was offered in river cruising for a while. You know, there was a gap because there were questions about going there, but now that people are up and operating, it seems like it's, it's great. And everyone who's been and had the chance to sail there has had such a great time and a, and a great experience. So I'm glad to hear that, that you feel the same way. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something that certainly everyone, um, you know, should look at and, and at that aspect of it. And right now, absolutely. People are traveling there. It's become very popular. I felt safe the entire time. Um, you know, you feel like the right precautions are in place. So, you know, I, I definitely feel good about visiting there and would go and back. And that's also one of the advantages of, of river cruising, you know, traveling in these groups is that, you know, you have your transfers with your groups and you have, you're doing all of these things with the group. And obviously you can choose to go off on your own if you feel comfortable. Sure. Um, but, you know, if you have questions about comfort or safety and especially going to these more exotic destinations. Like you say, you see these Facebook quizzes and you say, okay, well, I've been to Germany, I've been to Portugal and I've been to Spain and what's next. And, and this is such a great way to do it. If maybe you're a little bit hesitant about visiting somewhere that's further away or a little bit more remote. Absolutely. I don't think that that, I don't actually think that the Nile area is more remote, but when we talk about, you know, going to the Mekong, uh, that those areas can be a little bit more remote sometimes. You know what? They can be. Um, but so now you've gone on to one of my most favorite places in the and world. And me too. I know we've talked about this one before. We have. And uh, we we were fortunate enough to, uh, to just restart our operations there last October, you know, post-COVID. And uh, I was on that first cruise, which I was very thankful to do. I will admit when I pulled up to the, the Avalon Saigon, so there we do have our own ship. Uh, it was 11 p.m. Uh, when I arrived and it was in Saigon Harbor and I uh, there were definitely tears shed. I was so happy to have that ship back operating. Um, 80% of our crew waited uh, for the return of that ship and 80% of our crew came back, you know, from, from pre-COVID to post-COVID. So that really says a lot about how much they love Avalon and, um, you know, they really make that trip. So, um, and the ship itself is really special and important to what makes Avalon on the Mekong so wonderful. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the ship because it, it really matters for this itinerary. So the Avalon Saigon is only 18 staterooms, 18 of our panorama suites. Um, so there are 245 square feet, which we talk, and you you mentioned this, we've talked about Avalon a lot. So our panorama suites in Europe are 200 square feet. Um, we don't have the restriction of the width of the ship because there aren't the locks and all of that in uh, in Vietnam. What we have are low bridges there. So um, that is a restriction. Um, and it's something that's special about the Avalon Saigon because we built a ship. That's why it's uh, only 18 um, staterooms so that we can go under these low bridges that most of our other ships can't go under. So we actually sail from the Saigon port in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, So while everyone else is getting up early in the morning and driving two hours to a place called Mito to get on their ship, our guests are relaxing, going shopping, whatever it is they want to do, and then coming to the Avalon Saigon midday in time to have lunch and then sail 
um, right from uh, right from the city uh, to start their cruise. So no long transfer to get on board. So that's one of the really special things about the ship. And so that 245 square foot room that I mentioned, that's the size of every room on board. We, it ha we have the open air balconies. So um, that wall to wall window, it's 14 feet on this ship. It opens 11 feet. The bathrooms are even bigger. The beds are turned to face the view. So it's everything people love about the Panorama Suite in Europe, just kind of supersized yeah. on that ship be a little bit bigger. It's nice that you have more room there as well, especially with fewer people. I think that that's no, that's noticeable. Yeah. When you absolutely. have more room and fewer people. It's like a double win. Yeah. And I know you've sailed on the Mekong. So you know that, you know, you go into a lot of really small villages on this trip. Um, and you were talking about remote. So you're going into some of these tiny villages and we're able with only 36 people to have these incredible experiences in these small villages because you're not overwhelming um, these places. With 36 people, we can go and visit a woman who makes conical hats. You know, the, the hats that you see in Vietnam that people wear working in the fields. We go and meet a woman who makes those. She talks about how much she sells them for in the market. Um, you can buy them directly from her if you want to, you know, purchase one while you're there. We meet a man who carves sampans, which are the wooden boats that we use to, um, you know, do a lot of our transfers from the ship into these communities. And we meet a man who makes, you know, smaller versions and sells them to people. And he talks about, you know, how long it takes him to make one, what he sells them for. Um, probably one of the experiences that I hear the most about from guests when I meet guests, um, there was a couple who had been on our Mekong cruise that I met in Egypt, and they talked about this also because a top highlight to them um, is meeting a Viet Cong soldier, which, you know, is, is an experience that I think is, um, you know, really healing to people who had been there and um, you know, been in the war. And we do have quite a few vets that come on our trip. And, um, you know, quite often, there'll be this interaction between these um, typically men, sometimes women, and this Viet Cong soldier who talk about it being, you know, war between governments more than people. And it's really uh, an incredible experience to take part in that. Now, he's not always there. So we can't always promise that. But quite yeah. often, you know, that's an incredible interaction and um, going to a local school and uh, it's an after school program, actually, where they te teach English and helping these kids study their English. It's just really incredible um, experiences with people. And I think that's what I love about that trip is the people, um, especially uh, once you get into Cambodia, the sweetest people in the world. And I'm not saying, I shouldn't say things like that because it makes it sound like I don't think Vietnamese <laughs> people are sweet because I, you know, uh, the same, but, um, you know, the Cambodian people especially hold a very special place in my heart. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different culture and both are interesting. And, and I felt you know, I like that you put the emphasis on the small group, especially in a setting like that. I feel like it can be overwhelming or like maybe even embarrassing sometimes to be in a really large group of Americans. And so having the smaller size to be able to go in and really take time to to meet people and take time to talk to people and not be like shuffling huge groups around and trying to break off into smaller groups is is such an asset. And like also when you're talking about uh, the vet. I think that when I went on that trip, I was only 14. And so oh, wow. I didn't have very much perspective on 
um, the Vietnam war or anything, but I learned so much about that just from being there and, and talking about, it. and obviously those conversations were being had by people on board who, who've maybe fought in the war. So I think that that's always a reminder, but like you say, it can be really healing to remember that like, these are individual people that, that you can form relationships with. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's such a unique experience. And I think that everyone that I have talked to that has gone there has felt the same way and said that it was either the trip of a lifetime or, you know, maybe like you tried to go back and, and really holds a special place in their heart that they try to go often. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably done this trip now at least eight times and I would go again in a heartbeat and I find something unique and different every time. And, um, you know, it's every time there's something, someone new that you meet along the way. And, um, you know, this, the small group size of just the people that you meet also, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about it is the fellow travelers that you meet also in a group of 36 people, you pretty much meet, get to know everyone uh, on board and everybody's got a great story and, um, you know, really, really delightful people who choose to take that type of trip always. So it's always interesting. Do you, when you go back, do you stay with the group and do the same, or maybe excursions have changed over the years, but do you kind of stick to the itinerary every time or do you try to find things to do no i i pretty much do the itinerary the one thing that i've uh, only done twice is the killing fields in cambodia uh, which i i assume you did that um, yeah. i just I mean, it's something that everyone should see in their life, but I don't see it as something that um, is necessarily a tourist attraction that I will go to over and over and over. Yeah, for sure. To visit, but it's not something that I go to every time. So I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest about that one. I don't always go on that excursion, but everything else. Yeah, I absolutely. It's so powerful, but it's so heavy. Like I can imagine that I think once, or maybe you said you went twice is enough to, to be reminded of that. Um, and then I also, I know we have so many things to talk about today, but I also just want to mention the Amazon for just a second, because Avalon is one of the only major players that I know of, if not the only that sails on the Amazon river. Um, yeah, we're one of the only, there's one of the only. somebody else doing it, but we've been doing it a very long time. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we don't have our own ship there. We charter space, uh, with a partner called, uh, Delphine, which is, a which I see as a real asset to to us. They've been operating on the Amazon for a very long time and one of the um, you know most respected names operating on that river. So it's a really proud partnership that we have with them. Um, we were part of the original design of that ship. So Delphine um, ended up taking that ship over from someone else. And we, we were uh, one of the first charters of that ship. So we were part of designing it. So it again, you know, just like Farah, this is what we do when we are not, when it's not an Avalon ship, we work with, uh, we work with a company that has a ship that's very much in line with what Avalon's kind of um, aesthetic is and what we, what our look and feel is that, that works for our brand. And the Delphine 3 certainly fits into that. It's only 22 rooms. So 44 guests. Um, and again, a really great immersive itinerary. Um, what I love about the Delphine is that they have local people. So local naturalists from the Amazon on board alongside university trained naturalists. So you get this really unique perspective in the guiding that you get. You get kind of this um, dual 
force of nature, so to speak, taking yeah, you, literally. Um, which I love, um, and, you know, just really incredible up close experiences um, and very diverse. You know, you've got nature. So nature walks, boat trips, kayaking, going to the manatee rescue, piranha fishing, and then even going to Amazon villages. Um, so really incredible experiences on the ship. They have great food. Um, the, you know, just the food culture in Peru in general is really, um, I wouldn't even say emerging anymore. I would say established at this point. Um, you know, the, I would have said emerging maybe five years ago. Um, and so great food uh, as part of this trip. We we have a, a private dinner at the Larco Museum uh, in Peru at the beginning. So again, similar to Egypt, this one is a kind of land tour mixed with the time on the ship because most people are going to go to Peru and want to see Machu Picchu and see Cusco and the Sacred Valley as well. So, Absolutely. Um, so we start with, you know, a, a, a land tour at the beginning, um, which again, you know, going with Avalon, we're part of the Globus family of brands, which is celebrating 95 years this year. So we are experts at land. So a great reason to, to travel with us. Um, and with, with uh, you know, in terms of food, that Larco Museum visit, we stay at this hotel called the Sumac in Machu Picchu in Aguascalientes, I should say, which has won incredible awards for their food. Um, you know, the, the land trip is as good as the cruise. Um, we do two visits to Machu Picchu. So you go with the guide and then the next morning you can go back and see sunrise. So just really special little touches like that, that I think it make the trip really incredible. Yeah, for sure. I think that Amazon is one of those. When I tell people that I do river cruising, they're like, where do you river cruise? In the Amazon? On the Danube? And those are like the two rivers that people mention. So I feel remiss not to mention the Amazon, especially with the, that being such a unique experience to Avalon. Have you had a chance to do that? Um, I have done part of an Amazon cruise. I've never, and I've done all of the uh, the trip in Peru by land um, yeah. from my days with Globus. But no, I've never done the full itinerary yet. So uh, I think it's the only Avalon itinerary now that I have not done in full. So I need to need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not South America keep telling me it's time. So it it's time. sounds <laughs> like such a cool experience. And I like the the mix and especially with something that you all do so well on your European itineraries is all I can speak for. Um, but you know, is the that active component like you talked about, which actually brings me in to our next, uh, we're going to kind of segment this off. So for those of you who have joined us for this, join us for our next segment. We'll be talking about active and discovery cruises. 